You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode 73 of the MVP Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Office Apps and Services MVP Lorian Strand. <laughs> This is Christian Buckley with another MVP Buzz Chat, and I'm talking this morning with Florian. Hello. Good morning. Good, well, it's good morning, morning for you. It's it's evening for me, but uh, why, why don't you introduce yourself, who you are, where you are, what you do, all that stuff. Uh, oh, yes, I am Lorian Strant uh, from Melbourne, Australia. G'day down under. Um, so the southern coast or the southern east part of Australia, not Sydney. Not Sydney. Um, there are other parts of Australia. Um, I've been working with Office 365 since the BPOS days. Used to run a migration partner. Uh, do some consulting on my own now. Um, and also work with a partner as a product manager around Microsoft Teams. Um, but what I live and breathe right now is governance. Love governance. That's pretty much I what I talk about time. and I write about and all that stuff. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to talk about there. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. So do you find now that we've been talking about governance and SharePoint, now Teams, kind of everything else, do people get it yet? <laughs> are, they, no. are they embracing it? Right. Why is, well, why is that? What's the gap? And, and well, let, me, let, me, let me ask this question first. Is your background, is it in like on the project management side of things? Um, look, I, I've kind of done a whole variety of things. Um, I recently found out I've got ADHD, which explains why I've done so many things over my life. But yeah, I used to be project manager with Prince2 practitioner certification as my background. So I like control, but I personally don't like following that control. I get bored very, very easily. Um, but I do like having controlled chaos. I like knowing what my, my borders are and what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. Um, and having that flexibility. And so to your question about do people get governance? Um, no, they talk about governance. Um, they talk about the importance of governance, but they still don't understand where it needs to fit in, especially when looking at a platform as broad as Microsoft 365. So people talk about Teams governance, but when they do, it's talking about Teams provisioning. Uh, well, the, the reason I asked about your, your background too, because I think it is a, a lot of us that have that project management, program management background where, uh, you know, I think we, we embrace early on, we understand the need for governance. And, and like you, I mean, I, I look at governance, it's about putting in the guardrails. It's not about yeah. dictating how people go about moving forward, but it's saying that, hey, from a compliance standpoint, from a security standpoint, from an overall business risk standpoint, don't do these things, stay within these lines. How well, actually, that analogy is a really good, that physical one you just described there, is I look at it like bowling lanes. There are 10 pins at the end of it. Your objective is to knock over those 10 pins. If you don't do that every time, if you don't get a strike, if you don't get a spare, it doesn't matter. As long as you do the best as possible. But the, the important thing is you stay within your lane. You don't pick up the ball and go, and throw it off and get in a different lane. You stay within your lane. Well, um, I'd say that sometimes you do, and it can be very funny and very exciting. <laughs> well, not a probably not necessarily in the business world where that might no. be a security risk, but yeah, good point. Um, but the thing is, when you're new to, to governance uh, or new to Office 365, it's kind of like you're new to bowling, and they put up those um, those rails on the side so you know nobody loses, it never goes into the gutter. 
Um, and you kind of go in and you bounce around. So similar thing. It's like, okay, if you don't know what you're doing, put the rails up, stay narrow. But you know, the end goal is those 10 pins at the end, do your best to get to them. Um, so, but yeah, the thing is that people talk about governance, um, much like right now, to be honest with teams, they talk about teamwork, you know, teams improves teamwork. Cool. Um, what else improves teamwork? Well, that's uh, yeah, the old days, like I would ask people like, what are you trying to do with SharePoint? It's like, well, we're trying to collaborate more and better. Yeah. Well, when they say that to me, I was like, well, you, we're in a meeting room right now and you've got a notepad and pen and I'm using an analog whiteboard and we're collaborating. Right. So what's wrong with this? How do we need a product to fix this? What's broken about it? Um, so yeah, that's the thing is I challenge people when they ask or say, oh, we want this. Why? What have you done elsewhere about it? What, what, what's your, what have you led up to this point? Um, as opposed to just install governance. Can you install the governance, you know, 2.3? That'll fix everything. Well, that's a, it's, a, I think my experience on the topic is, you know, most people look at governance as like a checklist. It's a document. It's like, oh yeah, at the beginning of the process, the rollout, we went through our governance checklist. Uh, we're done. I'm like, all right, so you're governed. Yes, that's it. Set and forget. Yeah, yeah it's like a service pack. You install the governance add-on module for your organization. It's done. It's installed. It's like an NT option pack. It's out of the it's box, cool. of course, too. You that's know. right. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the thing that I, I often tell to organizations and clients is like, no, sorry, this is not a set and forget. And no, the, I actually don't produce a document at the end of it. I produce a number of assets that they can you know, use operationally, not just called, here's a document. This is governance as of today. By the time you hit print on the document, it'll be out of date because a new feature has come along. But no, I've done my bit, so you can check it off. So it doesn't work. Well, you said yeah, right at the beginning too that that you know, most organizations look at the provisioning process and they think that they equate that to governance. And that obviously having a provisioning process in place, not saying that there is one way to do it, because that's another mm -hmm. thing. People want to be Microsoft to be very prescriptive, like this is the right way to do it, and, and there's not a right or wrong way to to do that. And that's part of the conversation that comes up with your, the ongoing conversation that happens around governance in an organization. But, yes. you know, but, the, but that provisioning process, again, can that be a very important part of keeping people within those guide rails? Well, it is. And that's the other problem is that people then talk about that as life cycle. It's like, yep, cool. So you've created it. What are you going to do with it afterwards? How are you going to remove things? So one organization I worked with, um, they, from a life cycle perspective, they had something like an expiration policy of one year on their teams. And what they would do is basically when it was time to close down a project team, they would go into it, take all the files out and stick them into another SharePoint site. And I said, like, what about the conversations? What about the planner tasks? What about other things? What about the screenshots in conversations? What about all this other stuff? Oh, we don't bring that across. Okay, so you basically retain a bunch of files that have no context and no history behind them. Just blobs of information that don't say why we got to this point. They're just, here it is. They're like, oh, we hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So that's the thing is we don't have to automatically delete stuff just because it's gotten to a certain period of time or, you know, because we don't need it anymore. Um, and that's the challenge from a governance perspective is people or a life cycle perspective is they think of, the provisioning, the control, and it's just this narrow view, but it's like, no, it's all this. Because you know what? You probably used a form in that team to collect data with people outside of the team. What do you do with that information? 
Sure, you can export it to a spreadsheet, but do you have to, or can you just keep it? You know, and so there's all these things that people don't necessarily think about because it's all just too new and it all changes too much. So that's the challenge. So how do you govern, you know, basically something that's always evolving, always changing, where the uh, bowling lane keeps changing directions? Yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's interesting too, is because, you know, even within an organization, I mean, you can go in there as, as uh, you're looking at that company-wide perspective, but different business units, different project teams can have very different requirements for how they need to govern the history of what's captured and for how long and how that's used. And so I think that, again, another one of the learnings, so many valuable governance learnings out of mistakes made in the SharePoint years, you know, <laughs> Uh, we have this this history of uh, uh, of going in and uh, you know organizations of saying okay we're going to build it out this one way and then all orgs all teams all projects must adhere to what was built at this at the, right up front. And then yeah, they, and it also unfortunately comes down to the people who are designing it and what their level of understanding was. So I've got um, so one of the things that we've seen in the Office three sixty five world and even before then in the SharePoint world. Uh, as an on-prem is people hiding the ability for end users to create new sites, right? Because we want to control that. We don't want all this site proliferation. Yet, hang on, now we talk about, no, no, we want to have people create as many teams as they want because, you know, let them work how they want to work. All right, sure. But so one organization I was talking to, so in their infinite wisdom, IT took away the uh, new site button um, so that people can't create a SharePoint site. However, in a scenario where people want a SharePoint only site, they don't want a team, they just want the SharePoint site. Because they can't do that, they go into Yammer, create a group, which creates a SharePoint site. So, oh wow, okay, so you've got a whole asset connected to it that doesn't need to be there. But then what's even, how this gets even worse is people then start working on these files and say, but I want to do more than just have a conversation. I want to be able to have video calls and have chats and blah 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 and i want to have you know separate channels oh let's connect the team to the sharepoint site oh we can't because it was mastered in yammer and there's no exchange mailbox behind the scenes so let's create a new team and copy our files over it's like, oh. you know uh -huh. you you've just pointed something out i, I so i i love that you know the, that story just because it it's so well gives a real world uh, scenario of what happens. I mean, people, people are incredible. They'll find a way to go and get yeah. their work done, no matter what you and IT try to do to stop them. Yeah. Uh, and, and if they feel completely stymied by what you're making available inside the organization, that's when they start going outside of the organization. And, and so that's where you have all of these, uh, you know, these, these rogue IT efforts that are, that are happening to the shadow IT movement. Um, which yeah. is, it's always been, been around, but one of the, the things that I love the most about Microsoft Teams is it's uh, uh, the ability for IT people to go and talk to the teams that they service and try to understand, you know, what is out there, what are you using and why, and have that conversation and yes. start to surface some of those shadow IT efforts, those products, those tools, these I used my personal credit card, signed up for a service, and now we have, you know, uh, we we have intellectual property that's out on this third-party site. And you go get hit by a bus, we'll have no yep. idea how to access that, get to it. Yeah. Um, but now they could, you know, once you start to have this conversation, it's like, look, we're not going to shut you down. Um, 
at least right away is like we want to understand what we're, what we're doing because maybe you have a valid reason that there are features that you need for your project uh, for this initiative that we can't do. Uh, and so what, but bring it in as a tab, put it within your team, at least make it visible. Let yeah, us yeah. be aware of that. Uh, and so but it's it, a great it, way to have that dialogue about how people are actually working. And, and that dialogue is the important part because for that dialogue to be effective, there's a number of attitudes that have to change. One is preconceived notions. So if you're an IT pro or you're an IT exec who hates Microsoft or thinks Teams isn't um, you know, sufficiently developed or holy crap, that's a big company. Um, uh, or things like that. And, yeah, you know, your point comment on this, I have to say that why I love this besides that my son-in-law gave it to me is, is because it's fully insulated this giant mug so that it doesn't sweat all over my desk and I don't need a coaster. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Anyway, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, so I think those preconceived notions that people have much like they might also say, oh, I hate Google or I hate this or I hate that. Don't bring that to the table. That's your experience. That's your views. And they may be out of date. Um, and they may be also based on an experience that is not necessarily valid in this scenario um, or may have been actually a poor experience for some other reason. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying this because the technology is perfect. I'm just saying don't bring your baggage. The second one is that IT... But, but is, the, the technology is perfect though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> You've never seen me on social media ever having a comment no, about the technology I've, not being perfect. I've never seen that. So yes. gonna, can but. you just pause this video? I'm just going to go and delete a few tweets, yeah. um, especially in the last few days. Um, the, the second one is around um, IT thinking they know everything. Yeah. You don't. Your users will often know more than you. You know, I, I actually am, have been shown things by customers who are new to teams that I hadn't thought of or seen. Why? Because, well, I hadn't clicked around as much as them or I became complacent in how it worked. My dear wife, I have learned things from her. She's an adoption specialist. But I, but I don't say that facetiously. I mean, because she is a different style of user than me. So those, go, those conversations that people are having is don't go out there with, I have the solution for you and it's teams and planner and this and this. Like actually have someone who listens you know, takes it on board, has a think, and then says, hey, you know what? You've painted out this picture. I can see this. Why don't we start with this? And it might be just a simple flow. I had one scenario with a customer where they looked at power apps and this and this and this and this. And I went, your issue is email volume, and it's because you're CCing your own distribution list. How about we just make that a shared mailbox that you're CCing? Because all you're doing it for is records so that everyone in the team can see the correspondence. So all we've done is used an existing product, haven't changed anything major, and it's improved things. So Teams is not the shiny object that fixes all problems. Yammer's not, SharePoint's not. Sometimes it's a case of, just listen, you do not know the answer. And I've got to say this as a person who walks into the room already knowing the answer, it is the thing that we struggle with that is a case of just listen. Throw well, your crap out at the door. So, so Mark Cashman at Microsoft, he and I did a keynote of ESPC a few years back, the one in Barcelona. Uh, what was that five years ago, six years ago or something? Uh, and we, we, the big thing then, Microsoft messaging, and I, I leveraged the messaging for a few years, was the people, process, and technology. And how we, especially IT pros, IT people, tech people, we love the new technology. We love talking about yep. the new features. We're so excited by 
the new stories we can tell, the, the, the possibilities that it opens up. But we sometimes forget how the technology impacts the process. But what we do is we put technology at the top, process in the middle, and people at the bottom. And it needs to yes. be the exact opposite. And I always, I always point out too, and this is a great, it goes back to governance as well, is that I have seen outdated ancient technology with moderate, with process, but successful people that work well collaborate because the culture of the way that they work together is so strong and they're successful. What you don't have any place is the latest, greatest technology with process and people that don't work together and then it's success. That will be a, a, a failure. So it's the people aspect of that, the conversation yeah. that you're having, the change that are made, process second, the technology is the last thing. It can enable, but if you don't have the people and then the process behind it, technology doesn't matter. Absolutely. And one of the things that I do from a road mapping perspective, when, before I even get to governance, when I've got organizations that have either been in 365 for a while or still are new to it, which does exist, um, and want to, you know, want a roadmap painted out for like the next 12 months because you can't go really too much further. Mm -hmm. uh, they just want some direction. But a lot of the times when they're somewhat new to 365 or they've just done Exchange and OneDrive or Pro Plus or something like that, um, is before they even touch Planner or Teams or SharePoint or any of these things change how people work, is I say, give everybody to do and my analytics. Now, and you know, and it's not say everybody must use this because you know what, you can opt out of my analytics, you can unsubscribe, you can remove the add-in from Outlook, um, all those kind of things you don't have to use to do. These are purely opt-in. But my premise behind them is give people the opportunity to see how they can improve themselves before expecting them to work differently with their peers, change their job, those kind of things. Um, is give them that opportunity to learn their habits, tweak their habits, um, improve things. and it's not just about the tool, it's also about the behavior because to-do doesn't work if I don't go into it. Right. Um, or if I don't think that, hey, I'm out and I wanna add a task, if I just email myself, that's my behavior I need to go to to-do. So there's a bunch of little behaviors, but also like one of the things I did with to-do is, I now have a daily stand-up with myself for five minutes at the start of every day. And I look at what have I got on, what are the priorities, what I need to get done. Do you yell at yourself? Do you come down on yourself for not completing tasks the previous day or previous week? I just want to know if it's no, good. I matter under my or are you fair to yourself? No, I, I, I talk <laughs> negatively about myself in a way that I can't hear it. So, yeah. And you I know, just feel as resentment. As long as you are myself. open about that, I just don't talk about yourself behind your back. That's all I'm no, saying. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so, yeah, things like that, though, is help people improve themselves because then when you start adding and improving um, other aspects like cool now we're going to look at planner to do our teamwork well isn't it great we've already got to do because planner tasks can show up in to do hey that's one less tool i have to check on a daily basis yay and just little things like that or my analytics is like well hey it's showing i've got too many meetings maybe tweak that or put aside some focus time so things like that is like just start slowly and iterate from there um, and it also helps from a governance perspective because people can then start to not lock it all down, but they can start to build a wall and go, okay, now let's expand it, let's change it, let's tweak it based on how people are working. Instead of let's deploy everything now and give everybody access to everything and it's uncontrolled because innovation, agility, fixed, done, corporate culture addressed. So that's that's the thing is that, yeah, as I said, you, it's you gotta start with the people, people, and it's not, let's train them, let's do adoption um, because you don't just do adoption, you don't just, do a training and 
done. Everybody now knows Teams because we did a one hour training session. It's well, what are your challenges? What are your concerns? What are your issues? How do you juggle your life? What do you, what's your working style? What are the issues you have as a team? I, you know, I like your idea too of using the my analytics for that. I, I've not thought of it in that way. If everybody, if you get a, if you manage ten people and you have everybody kind of come in and bring in, you know, data from their their personal analytics and have a conversation about that. How are I'm using my time? How are you using yours? Where can we make improvements? Yeah. I mean, that, that's just a. I think that's a very healthy conversation to have as a well, as, as a team. You can also align though, like uh, Suze Hanley and I wrote the the collaboration contract um based on her i think collaboration service level agreement um article from years ago and part of it as well is to that point oh, i've lost my squeegee ball good thing i've got a backup um is um things like that is yeah sit down together and figure out and go you know what i i actually prefer not to have a monday morning meeting as a team because i need monday to get my own head into the space so if i come in on a monday morning and at 9 a.m i've got to have a team meeting I haven't even had a chance to get my head together because I've got to do school drop off, get here. I need my coffee to start the day and all these kind of, you know, their own boot up process. So figure out what works. Go, okay, let's do a 10.30 meeting and we go to the coffee shop and do it. Um, you know, or things like that or, um, you know, no meetings between these hours or uh, work from home style and flexibility and what we expect from each other. And then, then figure out which tool works for us and then how we're going to use it. So yeah, we, we really have this um, approach to 365 that is just us about. And the problem is it's because often it's IT that's implementing it. And they think, well, I know how to use it. Therefore, just deploy it to everybody. It's pushed out. Bang, done. Tick, look at me. I moved files to the cloud. I'm an innovator, a thought leader. Well, you've got the mug or the patch or whatever, so the, the t-shirt. So, yeah. Well, it's. Yeah. You know, I think you're. you're I think the kind of the core of all of this is uh, having those conversations is critical. Yeah. I mean, that's that's at the core of uh, of governance and any uh, you know governance bodies that I've put together. Again, back when I used to uh, be involved in building out PMOs as consultant, uh, and that the ongoing the change management the governance the organizational governance, uh, those, those activities and making that dialogue at the center of that to, yeah. Cause people just, for some reason, they, they just want to lock it down. All right. All right. Now is this the way that it is like, well, there's some process there, but you, you have to be flexible, you know, on, yeah. on what happens in the organization because our requirements change, the people change, the lives of the people that are involved in this change, the needs. Another funny thing that happens as you're deploying any technology, I know that you know this as well, is that you go in, you say, okay, we, here are the 10 things that we need to accomplish. You might get five to seven uh, of, the, of the way in of deployment or you've met those needs and go, you know, we actually need these 15 and mm -hmm. five of those are different than what we thought initially. So your lens of understanding as phrase I use is, is uh is widened you know as you learn as you move forward and so yep. you have to constantly go back and look at it's you're not it's not about like hey here's 10 things we need to do when we get to the end of that list we're done we're governed yeah it's like no that was based on our understanding here and that is that got us through here now our path forward is slightly different it's more of the same but now we yep. have to understand that there's these other things that we need to go and do it's that's, yeah. that's 
ongoing operations and change management. Absolutely. And it's got to be iterative and it's got to be flexible to a point. So, for example, you look at government. Oh, why doesn't government digitize and become more, more agile and more online and those kind of things? Because they have a legislative requirement and that legislation uh, prohibits them from being able to just throw all of their records into Office 365 or whatever it might be. So therefore, they can't use Teams. Therefore, they can't be as responsive because of this. So do you want them to be better and faster and more you know, digital? Or do you want them to be um, you know, uh, upholding the job that they're supposed to and preserving the records so that if something does go wrong, there is actually a trace there? Um, but part of it is also finding that balance and adjusting. So as you're saying, like governance, we've kind of got to tweak and adjust as, as business change. So we can't said at the outset, this is how it is. And then three years later, go, no, no, that look, this document that says this, therefore we can't change. And I see this um, with organizations where like government ones, for example, that have already started using Trello, right? And so here's planner. And so I could take away this cool toy you've got and say, no, use planner. Um, you have to use it because it's part of the suite. Or I could say, you know what? Why don't in your scenarios, you do a bake off and look at what is crucial. And you go, okay, Trello does these things that Planner doesn't do. How important are they? Can you live with them or without them, sorry? Can you work around them? And depending what it is, I go, okay, so for this particular team, we've determined Trello is the better solution for you than Planner. We're not going to force you to downgrade how you work. However, we are going to connect Trello to Azure Active Directory and we're going to integrate it into other things. And it's only for you. Nobody else can use it. So if at least we can't make it all be uniform. Then we say, well, at least we can control it and we can you know, integrate it and we can ensure that when this person leaves, well, they can't get into Trello either. They can't use Trello as a back way to get into SharePoint and those kind of things. And then we also have, then have to maybe adjust our records management document to say, in this scenario, we support this way of working or this tool um, and it's a known risk. Uh, but at least we know it and this is how we manage the risk. So it's all about that balance, not this black and white, therefore this, because this. Sorry, end of story. That's what got us into this problem in the first place where shadow IT came about because as you said earlier, people worked around the problem. That is a, I mean, that's a perfect example of the governance discussion that needs to, to happen. And, and use an organization, then you're making decisions without the blinders on. So you know, hey, we made this trade-off and these teams, this is why they're using it, but all net new projects that don't have those special requirements, we're over on this technology and going forward, this will be the direction for the rest of the company, but you're not just pulling the rug out from under these other groups. Um, yeah. So that, again, they could have a valid reason for, uh, you know, using some other, you know, shadow IT product or service that's out there. Have the conversation, don't uh, disrupt successful collaboration when it's happening yeah and if it's also a negative story as to why they can't have a toy or a tool explain it to them be logical don't just say you can't have sway that's it end of story no it's you can't have sway because this particular tool doesn't have this level of granularity and unfortunately because of this environment we need to do it this way and therefore this and this so now you understand that if you use this tool it actually puts us in breach of this act which can cost us a lot more money. Right. So now you understand how can we work around that? It's funny when you have adult conversations with adults, how much they understand the, the reasoning. I mean, I've had plenty of with, with people that say like, look, I, I'm upset. I have to go change this. 
but I understand and I understand why, uh, you know, the, it, and so that is something, again, from a project management perspective, I found that project managers that weren't very good at their jobs and one of the, the common threads is they never went back and had those conversations, explained why certain decisions were made. Uh, and so when you are open and transparent on, hey, look, organizationally, like we would be non-compliant. We will incur fines if we yep. don't stop this process. Therefore, you know, but we need to go find you something. Is it an 80% solution of what you had, a 60% solution? Do we need to go build something custom or do we need to go find a way to take that third-party tool and make it compliant? Figure out a way through process, through some oversight, through something to give you the functionality that you need. Have that conversation because the, the downside is that you don't have the conversation, they don't get their jobs done so that yep. they don't hit their performance metrics or whatever it is, they don't get their end of year bonus for having completed this project, they're gonna go do it behind your back. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think also, you like you said, adult conversation. I actually, I don't think it's even a, an adult conversation. It's think about, for those of us that are parents, how you talk to your child. Um, and I'm not saying that our end users are children, but if you think about it from a context of our children don't know as much as us, you know, they're not as aware of the time, depending obviously on their age, or they're not aware of the implications. They don't have as much knowledge as us. So the same thing can be said for us in the IT world. We know all these tools and what they can do and the risks and the dangers. Our users don't look at the acceptable usage policy when they sign up for iTunes. They just go, yes, I want the tool. So instead of just saying no to your kid, like if the kid says, I want a lolly, no. Really, where does that get you as a parent? I'm sure any parent on who's watching this can go, yeah, that doesn't work. No, what so you, you say is ask your mom. <laughs> uh, well, uh, the thing, so that's, you know, this is yeah, where does, you have wait, to how, say, how does IT do that? How can yeah, I'm actually trying that? to think, yeah. how can I delegate that? Um, <laughs> Yeah. But that's the thing is we have to say to our kids, no, not, or not right now because we're about to have dinner in a bit and it's this, or it's late at night and if you have too much sugar, it's going to do this. Um, or did you forget this morning that we actually had this? So not, you know, we kind of have, we explain to them why, because otherwise if we just say no, they just grow up to resent us. So the same thing happens with IT and end users. If we just say no to them, they hate IT, they work around us. Instead, yeah, have a conversation, explain. You know, say, yeah, look, we're actually working on that. What's your immediate need? Or we're pro that's probably not going to happen for nine months, but obviously you've got something to do now. What can we do about that? You know, be a service provider, not a, you know, emperor of your domain. King of the castle. Yeah. Well, excellent. But Laurie, people want to find out more about you. Do you have any of this stuff jotted down somewhere? People find out more. They want to read about this governance thing. Um, I have rants and raves. I have sessions that I present at. Um, the easiest place to find me is uh, www.laurianstrand.com or laurianstrand on Twitter. Um, that's probably the easiest place. I do governance stuff on there, but I, don't, I generally don't talk purely about governance because to many people, they don't actually understand that they want governance in the first place. Um, so, but everything I talk about has a governance theme with an adoption angle as well. So, well, and I'll have to yeah. go find the link for that uh, article that you did or the stuff you did with, uh, with Sue Hanley as well. So collaboration contract, but info. Uh, Sue's being interviewed here in a couple of weeks. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's see if she does the plug back. 
we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out how good of a friend she really is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, Lorian. Hey, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you very much for your time and for people who have stayed tuned to the end. Wow. Yeah.